The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews is brought to you by Spirituality and Health Magazine, the Soul Body Connection. Visit SpiritualityHealth.com today. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Hello, and welcome to Authentic Living. We're going to have a good time today talking about some very interesting issues with regard to life and death. I want to make a couple of announcements before we start. Uh, my interview with HealMyPTSD.com has been changed. It's now at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, uh, tomorrow, Thursday, the 17th of June. And you can access the interview by calling this number. So if you want to follow that interview, write this down real quickly. The number is 402-237-6026, and the passcode is 2683-POUND. 402-237-6026, passcode 2683-POUND. Also, another announcement, um, I want to let you know that I have launched a new web page uh, called wholechartastrology.com. You can go there and get a uh, reading. Um, it's at andreamatthewslpc.com slash wholechartastrology.com, or you can put in Google wholechartastrology.com and it will come up. So I'm looking forward to seeing you there as well. Today, we want to know what it would be like to know that you were dying. Would life look any different than it does from the perspective of your routine, everyday experiences? We strongly suspect that it would, but we don't want to have to be close to dying to find out. Well, this week, today, we're going to get to hear from those who are on the edge of this precipice and learn from their experiences rather than having to go there ourselves. Death is an amazing mystery, as is life, and the fine line between the two is likely just as amazing. Bob and Judy Fisher's book, Life is a Gift, Inspiration from the Soon Departed, will grant us the gift of insight and wisdom that comes from those who are currently living very close to that line. Bob and Judy Fisher wrote this book based on their interviews with the dying. Bob is Dr. Fisher to his students, as he is the president of Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. He's also served as vice president of academic affairs at Arkansas State University and was the dean of the School of Business at Henderson State University. He's a Fulbright scholar and serves in numerous volunteer capacities. As president of Belmont, he's worked to secure that school as the host for the 2008 Town Hall presidential debate, which I'm sure you all remember, which garnered international attention and which led to his selection that year as the Tennessean of the Year. Judy Fisher conducted most of the interviews for Life is a Gift and is currently serving as coordinator of interior dis- construction and exterior landscaping and lighting at Belmont. She also serves on several nonprofit boards, most notably the Board of Alive Hospice, which I believe was the place where she did several of those interviews. So, 
We are very glad to have you today, uh, Bob and Judy, to talk to us about this very important book. I think it has a whole lot to say to us. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, so how did you get the idea to do this book? Uh, Several years ago, we began to think about how do you live a life that matters or how do you make a difference with the life that you have? And that's sort of where the idea came. We knew we wanted to talk to people who could, who were wiser um, than we were thinking, but we didn't know exactly who to talk to. And we thought about it and planned it. And then um, September the 11th, 2001, we lost someone very dear to our family. And Adam worked with Cantor Fitzgerald on the 105th floor of the North Tower. And um, that sort of pushed us into a different mode as far as this project began. About that time, Bob toured the Alive Hospice facility, for we knew nothing about hospice. And he came back and said, who better to tell you about living than someone who is close to the end of their life? And Adam White was a dear friend of our families, and uh, as Judy indicated, and uh, he he just lived life to the fullest, and we were inspired by this young man. He would have been 27 that week uh, when he was taken away from us and uh, in that horrible tragedy. And uh, we just started thinking, okay, here we are, uh, pretty well on into our lives, and we just want to make sure we're on the right path. Uh, and we just said, let's clear the let's clear the chessboard here. Let's clear the table and rethink what really matters in life, what's important in life, and and decided uh, it's time to start asking that question. And, you know, there's all the usual suspects that you might ask. I mean, our parents have told us what's important in life. Our, our pastors or rabbis have or uh, our teachers have told us all the years in school. And, and, and you know, every time you turn on a, the media, they try to tell you what matters and what's important. But I'm not sure they know. I, I watched the Super Bowl commercials. I didn't see one commercial that mattered to me, you know. Uh, Surely there's something else that really matters in life. So we said, let's go ask some people who are essentially uh, or figuratively sitting on the front porch of eternity and ask them about life and how we should live life, those of us who are left behind. Well, that was amazing. And so this uh, tragic incident, uh, which has affected all of us, and really um, there's been a lot of studies done on what happened to our faith after that. Some people became more dogmatic. Some people began to question their faith. Um, it was a, uh, 9-11 really had a spiritual impact on all of us in some pretty major ways that, that have evolved down through the years since that happened. So for you, it was to get you deeper into your questioning mm-hmm. about what is, the, what is important in life. Right. I think I think it was just caused us to to reass that why question over and over again. Why are we here? What is our purpose? What what constitutes meaning in life? And and just to think about the Maury Swartz quote uh, in Tuesdays with Maury, where Maury said, "Why do we have to reach the end of our life before we learn how to live?" A few months after Adam died, we were thinking about his life. And we realized something, because when we looked around, we saw people who seemed to be wandering with no direction or seemed to be living a life of waste. 
And we realized that Adam was just the opposite of that. He truly lived life like there was no tomorrow. And we started thinking, why can't everybody live their life like that? Mm-hmm. Why do you think we don't? Have you come to any conclusions about that? Ah, oh, good question. Uh, I think you know. I think it's just the classic uh, uh, circle of life, getting caught up in patterns and and behaviors that others tell us all about, and not really thinking for ourselves and not being challenged to think for ourselves. And I think the the thing with uh, talking to these folks in the hospice program, uh, one, one of the people I want to quote here is Dame Cicely Saunders, who founded the Modern Day Hospice Program. And uh, Cicely Saunders said two things that I think are really important. She said the dying need the community. And I think we all know that's true. And we've seen the community in most places step up and really surround the people who are dying with love and care and casseroles and visits. And we're really pretty good at when people start uh, start dying, or that we know that they're, that they're dying, we begin to uh, gather around them. But she said a second thing that I think is really important, and that is that the community needs the dying. The community needs the dying to force you to think about eternal issues and to make you listen. And these folks made us listen. And I think that, back to your question, that at heart, we really don't believe that we're going to die, that somehow we're going to escape what everyone else experiences. I've had the privilege of speaking to the resident physicians at Vanderbilt Hospital here in Nashville on two occasions. And it's so much fun to talk to these bright young physicians and to say to them uh, as I begin, how many of you know you're going to die? And they all raise their hand. You know, 75 hands go up in the air. And then I ask them uh, this. I said, this is a similar question, or it will sound similar, but it's very different. How many of you really believe you're going to die? Mm-hmm. And you can see them. They just sit there. Maybe one or two raise their hand, and I challenge them. No, you don't. Uh, Uh, Now let's talk about why it's important that you believe that, because you will live your life differently if you believe that. Yeah, so uh, the terminus at the end of the tunnel makes us say, okay, this tunnel is important. Let me see what I can do with it. Well, and and let me see what what I can do even before I get there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, okay. So, all right, so you, you began talking to people who were dying, and I guess I want to hear first, were, were, you, were you personally impacted by any of the interviews? I'm sure you were. Can you share oh, of course. with us? Yeah. Um, you, can't, you can't not be impacted when you talk to someone who is uh, full of wisdom and who's looking at life a little differently than we normally do. Some of them haunt me. I, I wish that I could have talked to them longer. They're all gone. And uh, some of them touched us deeply with the things that they had to say. Yeah. I think uh, I, I, I think that uh, I'm trying to throw away stuff. <laughs> uh, we just realize that that life is really not about stuff and things and 
so many of the, the lessons that we had taught ourselves over the years, we're, we're trying to unlearn those behaviors and unlearn that way of thinking and just focus in on what these people said really mattered in life. We asked them a series of questions. Um, beginning with, what are you most proud of when you look at your life? Okay. Uh, what's been your biggest disappointment? What do you regret? What brings you the greatest joy? And the final question was the one that really gave us a lot of information that we hadn't thought about, and that was, if you have one message that you could give the world about how to live life, what would that message be? These people had no idea what we were going to ask them when we went to see them, but it was their answers were as if they had been thinking about all their lives. Oh, wow. I bet they had on some level. Well, okay. Well, we're going to be back in just a moment to talk some more about this. Those are really great questions, so I want to hear some of the answers. So stay tuned. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor in sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor in sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Hello, and welcome back again. Uh, we're talking today to uh, Dr. Bob Fisher and his wife, Judy, who are the authors 
of the book Life is a Gift, Inspiration from the Soon Departed, in which they interviewed several people who were dying to give us information about life. Um, and I want you to know this show today is sponsored by Spirituality and Health magazine, the Soul Body Connection, one of America's most prestigious spiritual magazines, which comes out six times a year and offers an amazing array of information for the seeker. Seek them out at www.spiritualityhealth.com. They have online and uh, printed material for you. So um, the reason I chose you guys for the show, I have a friend who uh, happened to have talked with them, and that's how she sort of turned me on to the book. And, and I got you guys for the show because I think that this so much has to do with how it is that we begin to think originally about our lives and become more authentic. So that's, that's what I think these questions, you ask them what they were the most proud of, uh, what they were the most disappointed about, what gave them the greatest joy, and what was the one message they would give to the world. And I think those are questions that we could ask ourselves as not dying people, who are, who, who, which would get us to something more real. I agree 100%, and I think the concept of true self, which you talk about, and uh, being authentic, being who we are, uh, is really kind of the quest that Judy and I were on, which was to decide for ourselves what matters in life and just reconsider so many things. And we didn't change radically those values and beliefs, but we certainly have changed uh, behaviors along the way because of what we heard from these wonderful people. Yeah, and what you said a little while ago, Bob, about, um, you know, yes, we do have some denial about uh, the imminence of our death, but we also uh, tend to believe what the culture around us uh, sort of teaches us about what, what is to be valued in life. And I think that that keeps us from original thinking. It is, you know, we just get absorbed in that without even knowing we're doing it. And then when we hit a wall, sometimes we have to go back and go, okay, now what's real? Well, and these people um, r- reminded us that life is short. It's not endless. There there was a concept back in medieval days known as uh, memento mori, a reminder of death. And back in those days, painters and artisans would do their beautiful paintings or weavings or tapestries. But somewhere over in the corner, just a small, they'd put a small little skeleton or a small skull and not not morbid about death, but just to remind you to celebrate life, to live life today. Wow. And that's what these folks did for us. It, it reminds me every day uh, as I think about them that live, live this life today. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So tell us about some of the stories, Judy, that you heard when you were asking these questions. Well, the... Um, the they said so many different things, and there were some common themes that came about, um, and Bob will tell you about those in a, in a minute, but we talked to a 98-year-old in the hospice residence who was learning Hungarian, and when we asked him why, he said, because I've always wanted to, and I don't have much time, and then uh not coincidentally, we think, miraculously, a lady moved into the residence hall two doors down from him who spoke Hungarian. Uh-huh. And they spent a lot of time together with him practicing his Hungarian and learning it. But um, the, the important thing was that there were some 
themes that they, the things they told us sort of fell into. Um, well, let me tell you about Beverly. Beverly was a lady who had, um, she was a great business lady, and she had built up a wonderful portfolio. And when she discovered that she was dying, she called her broker and cashed out. And she spent a big chunk of that renting a huge beach house and sending an airline ticket to 17 of her family members to spend a week together. And um, her family sort of thought that she was crazy, and they had probably, I'm sure, looked towards that, uh, that money that she had put away as their legacy. And uh, at the end of the week, they did lots of things. The family got to spend a, a whole week together, and they did a lot of activities. But at the end of the week, her children said, we understand why you did this. And they made her a promise that they would do this again once a year, get together as a family. Um, and that brings us to... Well, and, and, that, and that was her legacy because she left. And, and when you think about it, you leave leave your kids uh, some money. That's, that, that's fine. And, but you leave them a, a message like she gave to them that, that other people matter, that family matters. Uh, and and we talked, you know, from the 98-year-old to in age to a five-year-old little girl named Maddie, and that was probably not probably it was clearly the hardest one to understand and to interview to do. But uh, Maddie was dying of uh, neurofibromatosis, which is a horrible disease where little tiny tumors grow on the nerve endings, and uh, that's where a live hospice was so heroic in helping her to manage the pain and keeping her uh, where she she just didn't have to suffer all the time. And uh, the day I interviewed Maddie, uh, she was having a good day, and she was there in the hospice facility. She was dressed like a fairy princess, and I asked her mother why, and she said, well, because she wanted to. And I said, I got it. I got it. That's a good reason. And, uh, and Maddie... We learned lessons from 102-year-olds, 98-year-olds, and 5-year-olds throughout this process. Wow. So what, would, uh, what was Maddie's answer to the question uh, about the message she would give to the world? Yeah, that's, that's a great one. Um, I, I asked Maddie, uh, uh, when, I, when I, I did that interview, and I asked her if there was because a... Because I couldn't. Yeah, Judy, and I don't want to sound cold and heartless and uncaring, but... Um, Judy just said, "I can't do that," and I, and you know, men, we, we, we cry too. It just doesn't show up so, so visibly, <laughs> and, uh, and it was hard for me. And uh, just we just fell in love with her. And uh, but when I asked Maddie these questions, you don't just go down these questions just like it's a social science interview. Um, instead, I said, Maddie, if there was a book about your life, what kind of book would it be? And, and she did, she didn't hesitate. She said it would be a coloring book, and <laughs> and then she told me why, which I thought was remarkable. She she said I like uh, colors, and I think when I'm with people, I help them see colors. And I thought, good grief, this is a five year old who. Wow. But that's exactly what she did did for people's lives. But I asked her. I said, Maddie, we're going to open the first page of this book. We're going, to, we're going to open the cover, turn to the first page, and it's a picture of you, and it's the happiest you've ever been in your life. 
and you're, you're really, really happy. What is that a picture of? And she said, oh, it's a picture of me, and I'm sitting in my mommy's lap, and I have my cat, Thomasina, in my lap, and my daddy's there, and my brother Palmer's there, too, but he's, he isn't touching me. <laughs> okay. And, and there's Maddie's picture of what matters in life to her and what brings her joy. Uh, and we'd ask Maddie, I mean, Maddie had just been to Disney World. She just returned, but she didn't describe the, the the roller coaster at Disney World, she which she rode, all of the rides. She was quite the brave little soul. But she said, no, it's a picture of me with my family, and including her cat. And I just thought that was remarkable to uh, hear a five-year-old say, here's what matters in life, and then to hear a 102-year-old say, when we ask her, what brings you joy? She said, it's just having my family around me. That's all that matters to me. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that was one of the themes that she heard over and over again. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's like, what happens in between 5 and 102? Or why do we not look around us and see the joy around us? Yeah. Yeah, we try to fit into the culture, don't we? We try to forget about all that stuff and just fit in, and that is one of our biggest problems is fitting in. I agree, and and I I fit in less and less. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Me too. That's right. Okay, so so what kinds of things did you hear from people about regrets, about things they wish they had done? That varied, but the regrets generally fell into relationships. Sometimes it was relationship with um, a spouse that they had left behind. Sometimes it was a disagreement they had with a friend or a uh, sibling. But the regrets most generally fell into relationships. Occasionally, one would talk about education. They regretted not getting more education, but the majority, it was relationships. And these uh, these people, uh, it surprised me how many of them said, I don't have any regrets. Um, and one man said, that was his response, and his wife, who was with him, said, well, honey, what about the time our business went bankrupt? He said, oh, I forgot all about that. That doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can imagine how, how we feel or typically people feel at a time like that and how awful it is. But when you get to that point where you are on the front porch of eternity, uh, all of a sudden all that stuff doesn't matter anymore. Uh, and what really seems to matter, as Judy said, uh, is how people treated one another and how relationships uh, uh, were made. And, and and the hard thing and the hurts came from when those relationships were broken. And these people, it was as though they had this backpack that they'd been carrying around their whole life. And it's the metaphor might be that when you're a little kid and somebody hurts your feelings, you pick up a little pebble and put it in the backpack. And then as you go through life, every time somebody hurts you and you don't forgive them, you pick it up and you put it in the backpack. And then something really big happens to you. You pick up this big chunk of rock and put it in there. And, and that stuff can get pretty heavy over time. And what we saw were, were people who were unpacking as fast as they could and getting rid of that stuff 
and not wanting to take it with them. Uh, they had uh, uh, decided that this isn't worth carrying anymore. And, and what surprised me about them knowing that their time was limited, I've always thought I just want to go briefly, but they said this was the most blessed time of their life was the time to get ready for their journey. Wow, that's amazing. Well, we're going to hear more about that in just a few minutes, so stay tuned. We want to know about um, this poignant time of life when people are looking back over their lives and seeing what, what really matters. Stay tuned. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh, there you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration, which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern, with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the Seventh Wave Network. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back uh, talking today to Bob and Judy Fisher, the authors of the book Life is a Gift, Inspiration from the Soon Departed. They did several interviews with people who were dying and came away with a boatload of information for us about how to live. So we're, we're learning about that today. And um, we were talking just before the break about how it is that this is sort of transferable. And uh, I guess I want to hear more about how it is that that we can take this information and bring it home to us. I hope that uh, you can personalize. You have to. If you look at your life, you have to personalize it. And I think one of the first things you have to do is to realize that you have a limited amount of time. You don't know how much time, but it is limited. And then what are you going to do with the time that you have left? And, and you know, the one of the first places we started was a place, I guess, uh, is a natural to start if you're really probing into this, and that's what what is purpose in life. Why are we here? What's the meaning of life? And <laughs> that's kind of a ridiculous uh, uh, assumption that we're going to go out and find that. But on the other hand, that's what every one of us 
is is here to do is to find the meaning and purpose of our life and uh, we encourage our students here at Belmont University to to when you, when they come here I tell them the whole purpose of you being here is to discover your purpose in life and then discover those gifts and talents and abilities that are uniquely yours and then put those to work uh, serving the world helping people and that sounds pretty simple but uh, it, and it is simple to say it, but to actually do that in life uh, is a is a really big deal. But uh, that's where we started with uh, this, this this quest, and that's sort of the basis, the personal basis for why we did it, was to make sure that we, when we reached that point that where these folks were already, that we wouldn't look back and have any regrets. We wanted to live a life of no regrets, just like many of these people had done. I have a question now about the the, the ramifications of this end time being a time of wisdom. Did you meet any people in this um, interview where you could say, oh, that person really hasn't learned much about life and they don't have much wisdom? Sure, but it was a very small number of people that you came away with that feeling. Most, we, under, we interviewed 104 people, and most all of those, you could see things that they had come to realize in their lives. Um, we, we found wisdom in places you wouldn't expect sure. it. Uh, William? William was a logger in his early 40s that was the picture of health, and he he's lived, really a tough guy. Yeah, you know? he he lived in in the woods and a very physical work, but the things that he said showed a very tender heart. When we asked him your message, he said, "If you've gotten a child to smile at you today, you've had a good day. Mm-hmm. And if someone shakes your hand, squeeze it just a little bit longer and look them in the eye." And then the final thing he told me was. And if you love somebody, tell them that you love them. Don't wait. And that's a guy that, you know, who, who made, his, a, made his living dodging trees and skitters and working hard. And he had a, an ex-wife and a son that he couldn't contact. And it, it really affected his life. He died about a week after I talked to him. Wow. So what you found was that people appeared to be different than what they actually were. They were actually, uh, they they came across as tough guys, but actually, in fact, there was a, another side to them that was deeper and more profound and had something really off to offer us all. Well, uh, yeah, and I think one of the, just in the course of this, uh, the work that we were doing, it took us a couple of years to get all the interviews done and then to write this and get it published. and. Uh, in the course of those uh, of that time, I came across a, a sermon that C.S. Lewis had uh, given over the years, and called "The Weight of Glory." And in that sermon, uh, C.S. Lewis says, uh, "You've never met an ordinary person in your life. All you have met are immortals to be." And you know that just really floored me. I just had to stop and meditate on that. And to think about uh, respecting every person for who they are and, and and their authenticity and their real true self and learning to uh, 
I think I think I had a pretty good advantage with my parents helping me to do that growing up. But still, you can if you have a position of, like I do, where you can tell people to do things and they do it. Uh, you got to watch yourself, or you begin to get confused about authenticity. Judy's nodding as I just want yes. you, you listeners out there, yes. to know Judy's nodding her head and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, know, I, and I think, you know, it makes you stop and think about uh, anybody that on the freeway you've wanted to give them uh, yep. the one-finger salute. Or, uh, Bob talks about that. that a lot, yeah. Yeah, why, yeah, why would you do that? Because uh, they are that's an immortal to be, and it, when you see them in the next life, you don't want to have to apologize for that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, exactly. but we one of, one of the people we interviewed was uh, Harold, was an architect, and when I asked Carol his legacy, he said, "It's I've always been good to people, and I'm really proud of that. I've never deliberately hurt folks in the years that I've done my work. He said, I'm sure I've, I've hurt people, uh, not on purpose, but I've really made that my goal in life. And uh, he said, he told me then, he said, Bob, you got to be really careful with people. And I said, oh, man, I know that, and you got to watch them. He said, no, you're missing it. You, you weren't listening to me. He said, you have to be careful with people the way you're careful with precious and fragile things. Be careful. Don't hurt them. Don't drop them. They break easily. Mm-hmm. Just That's the kind of wisdom we heard over and over and over. Wow. Amazing. So what kinds of messages... Those are those are some of the messages that you're saying. That those are the ones with that those were the messages they were in the world. Is that right? Right. Okay. 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 One of the messages that I got was that you can find joy every just about every day. And um, as I'm looking out the window and I'm watching the clouds, you can find beauty and joy whether it's in a bird or the clouds or the people around you. And you don't have to go someplace or save your money to take a trip to find joy. It's everywhere. We also, uh, I think we're pretty amazed at these folks that uh, they seem to have no fear. It's one thing to slap a no fear uh, decal on your truck or something to drive around like, you know, you see, it's usually young people that uh, aren't smart enough to be afraid. <laughs> but who or do don't that. know they are. Yeah, exa- or don't even know they're afraid. That's right. And uh, But these people uh, had a piece that just astounded me. And and I think ultimately that's kind of what I'm, I'm seeking through this whole process and trying to learn from them is uh, I, think I, I think I got purpose and meaning and direction, but peace is is something I think that uh, I've learned to be a little more still and to be a little, listen a little more carefully and uh, kind of like uh, in, uh, you know, we're here in Nashville and Tim McGraw's pretty big here. He's pretty big all over the country, but uh, in his song, Live Like You Were Dying, uh, it says, I, I love deeper and I spoke sweeter. And I think that's what one of the lessons that we heard. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so okay, uh, I've got two different questions that are popping out of me right now. I want to ask them both at the same time. But what I'm going to do is stick with the themes just before the break, and I'll come back to the other one after the break. Um, you, your themes, you said there were several themes, and we've heard family, we've heard relationship. What are some of the other themes? Um, well, forgiveness. They were forgiving every everyone they could think of. And then the... Um, 
first cousin to that is uh, reconciliation, and they were seeking, especially family family members or friends that they had been estranged from, to reconcile. And they talked over and over uh, also about the mosaic of life. Two two of them used that as an example, but others described it that when they look at their whole life now, when they look back and look at their whole life, they see things up there on the wall that are that, that were wonderful high points of their life, but they also see moments of despair and disappointment. Uh, but when they put it all together, they look at it and say, my life is beautiful. I, I love my life. I'm proud of my life. And Shirley was was a great example of that, a woman who'd been raped as a child, who became an alcoholic by the time she was 12, and who uh, uh, did worked in a poultry processing plant for uh, her whole life, uh, helping her kid, uh, taking care of her kids as a single mother. Her husband was not one of the... Uh, not a member of the male species that we would be really proud of. He was a tough guy and he was good when he left. And and she told me all these things. And then I said, what do you regret in your life? She said, I don't regret nothing. She said, my whole life has been, uh, has led me to this point and I love my life and I love where I am today. And I said, well, I don't understand that. And she said, well, if I'd never been raped, I'd never started drinking. If I never started drinking, I never would have ended up an alcoholic. And if I'd never become an alcoholic, I'd never gone to AA. And if I'd never gone to AA, I would have never found the God of my own understanding, not my daddy's God, because she had rejected that, but the God of my own understanding. And she said, if I'd never found that, I'd be terrified right now as as I'm dying. But I'm not. I've got peace because I know God will take care of my children and God will take care of me. And I thought that was just a remarkable way to look at your life, what I consider a really tough, hard life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and the way she strung those things together is what so many of the authors uh, uh, and, and lead, spiritual leaders are telling us about today, about synchronicity, how that how our life does uh, fall together in a pattern that really is meaningful all by itself. That beautiful mosaic of my life and your life. Absolutely. All right, so we'll be back in just a minute for our last segment, talking today again with Bob and Judy Fisher about their book, Life is a Gift, Inspiration from the Soon Departed. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. Skills USA can help. What is Skills USA? Skills USA is life changing. Skills USA is awesome. Skills USA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. Skills USA is amazing. Skills USA is motivating. Skills USA specifically prepares you for the workforce. Skills USA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. Skills USA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. Skills USA, champion, 
the web at skillsusa.org. Mom, my tooth fell out. The coach says I can play shortstop. I get to be a deciduous tree. You live for the first in your child's life. But how do you cope with the first that come after your child is diagnosed with cancer? CureSearch.org connects you to the doctors and scientists whose collaborative research has turned childhood cancer from a nearly incurable disease to one with an overall cure rate of 78%. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And it's sad but true, but we've got our final segment. We're going to have to say goodbye to Bob and Judy Fisher in just a few minutes. Uh, we're talking with them today about their book, Life is a Gift, Inspiration from the Soon Departed. And I want you guys to tell our listening audience about how it is that they can either contact you or purchase the book. Well, the book's uh, Amazon.com, Life is a Gift, and Bob and Judy Fisher, and available there, or BarnesandNoble.com, uh, and... And I think it's in several uh, several other bookstores as well, Borders. And so we're really excited to have it out there. We've got a great publisher. Uh, and to contact us, you could uh, contact me at uh, my email, bob.fisher, F-I-S-H-E-R, at Belmont, B-E-L-M-O-T, B-E-L-M-O-N-T, dot edu so bob.fisher at belmont.edu and uh, i can't believe i misspelled belmont on the air <laughs> well at least i mean you know I, I do think it's i want to say this about belmont i spelled it with two l's so be sure it's b-e-l-m-o-n-t not yeah. e-l-l how many how many times i've heard it in the basketball game b-e-l-m-o-n-t yeah, i'm sure all right <laughs> Okay, so I, I want to give our listening audience just another chance to hear a few more stories before we close out. And uh, you said you had a few others to share, and I want to want to do that as our closing segment. Well, uh, you know, my, one of the things that happened as a result of, the, of this book is I've just, I think Judy and I both have started paying attention to some different things. And one of the things I do differently, and this may sound morbid, but... Um, it's really not. It's every day when I pick up the Tennessean newspaper, I read the front page. I read, check on the sports page to see how my Cardinals have done, and I go through. You know, I have this routine of reading Dilbert and Doonesbury, but now I stop at the obituary page every day, and that that may sound morbid, but it, but for me, it's more of just a celebration of life, and I just point at one of those obituaries. Uh, usually there's 35 or so in the Nashville paper. And I just read one of them, and I read it all the way through. I read every word, no matter how you know how it's written. But one day I read an obituary that was uh, about a man who had died the very day 
our book was published, and his name was Rodney Palmer. And I started reading the obituary, and it was so beautifully written. It said, uh, Rodney Palmer, uh, and Rodney was exactly my age. That got my attention, uh, and had died after struggling with heart disease for 32 years. And the obituary goes on, and it said he has finally uh, been miraculously healed and gone to be with God, which I thought, now somebody's, you know, thinking about this as they write it. But I read on through the obituary, and at the uh, end of it, I read all the survivors and all. At the very end, it said uh, Rodney Palmer's preceded in death by his... uh, Parents, and it names his mother and his father, and by his sister, and it names his sister. And then it said this. It said, and he is now finally and joyously reunited with his beloved granddaughter, Maddie Rose Harrison. Oh, my goodness. That was, that was our Maddie, you know? Wow. And, and I don't think that was a coincidence. I think that was a message. And, I, you know, I was sitting there at the breakfast table drinking coffee and reading the newspaper and read that, and, and it was as though there was a, a flash of something, you know. Uh-huh. And I think it, uh, for me, it just reminded me that there are things going on in this, all around us all the time that we simply have no idea. Absolutely. We just don't, we don't even come close to comprehending what's going on in the, in our spiritual world. And, and for me, I, I just thought that was a, a, a beautiful reminder that uh, there is no death. There is a transition from life to life. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yep. That's beautiful. That was a goosebump story. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, got any more for me? Well, I, I, I would just, uh, oftentimes uh, we close out these, uh, uh, our talks or interviews with a story of a woman, and this is something we read, too, after our book was published. And uh, this is a, a, a woman who's a college president who had written an article about entitled, The Day I Almost Died. And it was a beautiful article. Uh, she'd gotten very sick, but obviously survived to write about it. And at the very end of that article, she she made uh, uh, she told the story of how she was the day she's leaving the hospital. The very day she's leaving the hospital, uh, a new nurse comes in and starts reading her record. And as she's literally packing her bags, that nurse is reading through her charts and. She said eventually she realized that nurse was just staring at her with sort of an awe-stricken look. And she finally said to the nurse, well, what? And the nurse said, uh, well, forgive me, I'm sorry, but I've seen, in my experience as a nurse, I've seen several people come in here in your condition uh, over the years. She said, I've never seen anybody walk out of here alive after they came in in that condition. And she said the nurse paused and then looked right at her and said, you've been given a gift. And I, and I you know, as I think about that, I think, well, guess what? Uh, so have I, and so have you, and so has everyone been given a gift, and that is life. And that's what inspired us to, to say, you know, life is a gift. And that's the way we we want to receive it with gratitude and thanksgiving and and just get everything we can from it. 
Absolutely. You know, I talk to so many people as a therapist who have in their heads a mantra that says life is hard. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, life is hard. And I've even heard people say, well, life gets harder as you get older. And, uh, and I, you know, that is such a, um, such a difficult road that we're building for ourselves. It seems all uphill. And uh, I, I think that if we could change the mantra to life is a gift instead of life is hard... That would be such a such a different paradigm for us. Well, that's that's what let's we're working. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, get the bumper stickers out there. We need some bumper stickers that say "Life is a gift." Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we have uh, just a, a minute or two left, so um, let's let's have one more short story before we go. Well, um, I, yeah. Tell them about the final exam. Yeah, and in our book there is a final a final exam, and I love uh, that because as Judy and I both have been teachers our whole careers, and uh, we've given lots of exams, but there is one out there that will be our final exam, and it'll uh, it'll have uh, it has no announced time limit. In fact, it's going on right now in our lives, and uh, we we have a lot of hard questions to answer, but we we can ask for help from anybody. We don't. You know, we can work as a team on this exam of the, getting life right, the most important questions in life right. Uh, and you can change the answers as you're going along, too. Yeah, that's, wow. you can change any answer. You can work in teams. I got in trouble in the third grade. I was an early adapter of the team approach to spelling test, and <laughs> Mrs. Gray was not quite up to speed on that approach. <laughs> and uh, but, but this exam, you can get people to help you. And... Um, wouldn't it be great? But there is a time limit. Yeah, we just don't know what it is. But once it time is called, you have to turn in your paper and you depart immediately. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it for this one, isn't it? For that exam, yeah. yeah. That's right. And and you know, there's lots of questions about the mystery of what goes on after that, but what we know is what we've got right now. So thank you so much for reminding us of that today. It's been a beautiful experience that I've gotten to share with you guys. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's our privilege. All right. So next week we're going to be talking with Michelle Rosenthal about making the shift, three steps to achieving deep personal change. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.